0: Welcome to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. I am Axel Addy, former chief negotiator of Liberia's accession to the WTO and founding member of the Trade for Peace program. Trade for Peace is a 30-minute podcast in conversation with Trade for Peace champions, global policymakers, entrepreneurs, and innovators committed to promoting trade as a key ingredient for lasting peace. Join us in our bi monthly podcast as we discuss how trade is contributing to sustainable peace in fragile and conflict affected countries. Welcome to Trade for Peace. Today, on our segment, Trade for Peace Stories from the Frontline, I have the pleasure to welcome two Trade for Peace champions from Iraq, Ms. Alice Bosley and Ms. Nidal Sebri. Alice is the co founder and executive director of Five One Labs, a startup incubator for entrepreneurs in the Kurdistan region of Iraq. Nidal is the director of the WTO section in the Foreign Economic Relations Department at the Ministry of Trade, where she has worked for over 20 years. Alice, Nidal, welcome to Trade for Peace. Alice, you're a long way from home in the U.S., working in an area known for challenges of insecurity. I'm sure our listeners would like to know, why Iraq? Not only Iraq, but specifically the Kurdistan region of Iraq, the KRI. What inspired you to want to make a difference in this region in Iraq?
1: Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on this amazing podcast. I'm really excited to be here with you and Nidal. As you mentioned in the introduction, my name is Alice Bosley, and you're right. I I am American. I am originally from Philadelphia, but I actually was lucky, I would say, when I was growing up because my family moved to Saudi Arabia when I was eight years old. And so I fell in love with the Middle East, with the whole region. So when I ended up going to university, I studied international relations and especially Arabic in the Middle East, and tried to get back to the region as soon as I could. So in 2012, a couple of years after I graduated from university, I had the opportunity to apply to a job at the American University in Iraq. And I had never been to Iraq before, but I looked up pictures of Soleimani and it looked beautiful. And so I decided to to take the chance and, and go to this new place. And 2012 in the Kurdistan region was an extremely, I would say, hopeful year. The economy was growing, it was before the drop in oil prices, it was before ISIS, and working at a university, especially during that time, was extremely just energetic and exciting. You know, you're surrounded every day by young people from across Iraq who have all of these hopes and dreams, are so talented, so full of life, and I just fell in love with Iraq and with the Kurdistan region of Iraq, and haven't been able to really leave ever since. So that was 2012. I ended up after a couple of years actually leaving to work in the United Nations. My dream job was always to work in humanitarian innovation to think about conflict and people who have been displaced by conflict in kind of new ways. And the innovation office in Geneva tried to bring in new products and technologies and partnerships to serve people who have been displaced. And so there, we kind of started an internal incubator in the United Nations to help UN colleagues come up with new ideas to solve challenges that they saw in field offices all over the world in refugee camps. And it was really exciting work. But after a little while, I kind of started asking, you know, this is great, we're running this incubator for United Nations colleagues, but why aren't we doing this for the innovators in the actual refugee camps? You know, these people that we've been meeting who. Have incredible stories, and really kind of have this need for for the support. And my office said that they kind of weren't able to create a program to support refugee entrepreneurs. And so I said, okay, i'll I'll leave, and I'll go do it myself. I ended up leaving the United Nations and going to graduate school and meeting my co-founder with the goal of of starting Five One Labs. And we decided, kind of, based on all of the amazing experiences that we had had, in the Kurdistan region of Iraq, that that would be where we first launched the organization.
0: What was one of your first startup projects that you worked on?
1: That's a great question. So we launched our first incubator in 2017 with seven startups, actually. So it was seven entrepreneurs from across Iraq. We had people from Basra and we had... Baghdad and Mosul and all, I mean, just really diverse, amazing entrepreneurs. And one of the entrepreneurs was this amazing woman who had been displaced four times during her life because of various conflicts across Iraq. And she wanted to launch a business called Tech Teens, which is a business to teach young kids across Iraq how to code. And she, she had this dream, this goal that teaching young people in Iraq how to code will help them be competitive on an international level and allow them to access these amazing jobs in their future. And yeah, so working with her and the others, you know, we had software development businesses, we had fashion businesses, it was really diverse. And I think working with them, it was just the best experience.
0: That is quite a fascinating story, Alice. Uh, Thank you for your work you do in uh, Iraq. Now over to you, Nidal. You have committed 20 years of your career to Iraq's quest to join the WTO, working in several capacities in the WTO division at the Ministry of Trade. As a woman working in public service in Iraq, what inspired you to join public service and specifically to work on the WTO accession for Iraq? Uh,
2: Thank you very much. It is a very interesting question. As general, when you see that the majority of the Iraqi people are work in the public sector, you spontaneously, after graduation, apply to work in the same, uh, in the same sector. First of all, is that the Iraqi economy is dominant by public sector, is dominant by government. Uh, the private sector is not so competitive. So that is, as general, that may be one of the main reasons behind uh, applying for the public sector. The undergraduates may have preference for government work because of set of privileges it has. Providing an appropriate salary, setting the retirement pension for the employee who ends years of service, uh, legislating a law for public employment and the duties on the rights of the employees. Frankly speaking, many prefer working in the government sector because of the availability of guarantees that make the nature of work in the government um, sector uh, stable such as salaries and social security on one hand. On the other hand, the weakness and instability of the public sector outweighs the work in the government sector. With the increase in the number of graduates of public and private universities in the recent year, the Iraq youth are looking for obtaining a government job dominated in the last 10 years by fears of the private sector being affected by the economic crisis that the region and the world has gone through forcing many companies, of course, to lay off their employees and reduce wages in order to reduce expenditures, which increased the first of young people from undertaking what they considered the adventure of working in the private sector. The majority of the young people believe, and me is one of them, that working in the public sector is a safe for their lives as it provides, in their opinion, psychological, social, and living stability regardless of any economic uh, circumstances the country goes through. On the other hand, when you look for the uh, holders of the higher degree, like the rest of people, are affected by the work culture of government for several reasons. The first is that the private sector in Iraq is still crawling in light of the randomness of commercial and industrial work and the lack of a tight legal regulation that guarantees their future rights. The other part of your question is why I got to work in the WTO area. Frankly speaking, it uh, underwent by accident because when I moved to another department in the ministry, and that is the Foreign and Economic Relations uh, Department, they were looking for the qualified persons to work in the WTO section, especially that WTO section had been recently established. For me, I found a good opportunity to explore this new field. I began to read about WTO. It was totally different area. It's new, fresh, more challenging, more inspiring. It is not an easy task. When I got into, in my work and assumed the responsibilities, the challenges began to increase and the curiosity, began to increase in order to overcome these uh, challenges. I got interested in the different WTO issues, the world of negotiation, the world of agreement, the world of economic integration, how the country must handle the economic reforms, as well as completing and achieving the commitments regarding accession to the WTO. The way that it deals with the international problems and how to settle them through dispute settlement procedures under which all the countries treated equally. The work and the ability to areas made me more inquisitive, and my visions, my knowledge expanded. Of course, got interacted with the international experts and got acquainted with the work of all uh, Iraqi institutions. It is real and non-monotonous work. It deals with different sectors, different issues. You should work mentally and physically. It evokes your energy and talents towards achieving requirements. It was a very wonderful and very good experience for me.
0: Thank you, Nida. I'm sure you're an inspiration to a lot of young Iraqi uh, girls that are aspiring to make a contribution to their country. Now over to you, Alice. Based on your background and your experiences today with One Labs, tell us, what does Trade for Peace mean to you?
1: Yeah, thank you. So Five One Labs, the name comes from the 1951 Refugee Convention that gives refugees the right to work. When we created our organization, it was with the goal of providing meaningful and dignified employment for people who might otherwise be trapped outside of the kind of normal economic system. So let's talk about someone who has potentially been displaced by conflict. When you are displaced, you lose everything. So you have probably lost your savings. You're not carrying a ton of cash on you. You often can't bring your family necessarily with you. Your certifications, you know, for example, your school certifications, your other certifications probably don't translate to the new place you're in. You've definitely lost your local network. All of these are huge obstacles when it comes to accessing a job or a career that's at your level. So, you know, one of the first people that we met in Iraq was someone who was an architecture student in Aleppo in Syria, had been a graphic designer and an architect, was displaced by conflict into the Kurdistan region of Iraq and ended up for two years, not able to access any employment except every once in a while, kind of as a day laborer. Because even though he had this incredible talent and and all of these skills, he didn't have the network, he didn't have the ability to kind of get those jobs. We see entrepreneurship as that pathway, you know, if you are an entrepreneur, you're taking your skills, your talent, your education, and you're turning it into your career, right? You're building your career for yourself. And not only are you building your career for yourself, but you're creating a business that is hopefully strengthening the local private sector, adding value to your customers and creating jobs for the, for the local economy. When we started, we really had this focus on people who have been displaced or affected by conflict. But when we started in 2017, we were also the first startup incubator in all of Iraq. And part of our mission is to serve also amazing local entrepreneurs. And as Nidal mentioned, the public sector in Iraq is much stronger than the private sector. And what that means is it's it's really hard for young people in Iraq to find jobs, especially meaningful jobs. If you can't get into the public sector, I mean, young people in Iraq are so highly educated. I mean, these are incredibly talented people. And finding a meaningful job is so challenging. And so over the past five years, you've seen the interest in entrepreneurship just greatly expand, where young people realize, like, I can build my own pathway. I don't have to wait for the government to employ me. I don't have to try to find a job that's not going to pay me enough. I I can create it for myself. So I think when I think of the idea of trade for peace, it's about meaningful employment that allows people opportunities. You don't have to worry about feeding your family. You don't have to get potentially involved with an armed group or corruption in order to get money because you're able to create your own job or find a job that works for you. You're able to have kind of wages. You're able to support your economy and your family. And so I think, economic inclusion of everyone. you know, Young people that can't find jobs, young people who have been displaced. For us, that's what makes us tick. That's what we are very passionate and excited about. And so we do that in a couple of ways. I think our, our Startup Incubator program is this three month long program. All you have to come with is an idea. And with that idea, we'll give you business skills, we'll give you training on kind of innovation and management, We'll link you with mentors from all over the world. We have co-working spaces, so you can have free office space to build your business. And over the course of three months, we basically help you build out your business ideas so that you're ready to launch at the end of the three months. And then on a competitive basis, we provide seed funding so that people can actually develop their businesses. But then also, you know, there are, I think a lot of needs in the um, entrepreneurial ecosystem in Iraq. So we also, specifically serve amazing female founders who are running businesses that are reaching obstacles in in kind of growing their businesses. And we've started working on investment as well to make sure that if you launch a business, you know, I think Nindal mentioned that the, the infrastructure in the private sector is quite weak. And, and one part of that is the financing for businesses. And so we've also started working on really improving access to finance for startups. So for us, I think all of this, we see this as, opening up more opportunities for people who otherwise wouldn't have any.
0: Absolutely. Interesting. Over to you, Nidal. What does trade for peace mean to you?
1: It
2: means a lot because we are thirst for the peace in in, in, in my country. So we have to follow every possible way in order to attain this uh, this security and this, uh, this social peace and security in my country. First of all, let's see what peace means. Peace is the opposite of conflict and uh, a feeling of freedom from fear of violence. Everybody knows that there is some sort of uh, of peace. We have the social peace and we have the economic keys. In my opinion, that the drivers of any armed conflict, for example, is sometimes due to economic uh, conditions. Uh, For example, the low income, the slow growth, and especially severe economic downturns. From my experience in working in WTF first and uh, through all my career, we have to focus, first of all, on the WTO of principles and norms and its relation to create peace, which was embodied by this platform, the Trade for Peace Initiative, that WTO already uh, undertaken to facilitate the integration of fragile and post-conflict uh, countries. We believe all that confidence among countries is the key to avoiding debates. When governments are confident that others will not raise their trade barriers, they will not be tempted to do the same. Uh, they will also be in a much better frame of mind in order to cooperate with each other. The WTO trading system plays a vital role in creating and reinforcing that confidence. Countries in the 1930s competed to raise trade barriers and in order to protect the domestic producers. This, of course, worsened the Great Depression and eventually played a part in the outbreak of the Second World War. Afterwards, the gut creation, together with the IMF and together with the World Bank helped in avoiding the repeat of pre-war trade tensions among among these um, countries. The second one is that most of the dispute dispute settlement issues, especially the economic ones, ended with wars and conflicts for most of the countries, especially those who are not WTO members. The WTO uh, dispute settlement mechanism ensures equal rights and transparent procedures for all the disputed uh, countries. The other important thing is that the international trade brings individuals and various entities together through the motivation of uh, doing business interaction between all these stakeholders. Some of the fragile and conflict affected countries are aspiring from this initiative to use trade and economic integration with the international economy as a tool for building their nations, creating greater stability and giving them more of an opportunity to sustain uh, peace. Uh, they are well aware of their special capacity constraints and institutional challenges, of course. The other thing that is the one of the most important and instrumental tools for creating is through the importance of the creation of the rule-based multilateral trading system to enhance uh, the integration of most of the, uh, of the countries. The multilateral trading system is one of the solutions for these countries, which had paid a high price because of the wars. The accession to the WTO creates the suitable environment for these war distracted countries with the fragile economies. To be integrated into the world economy, we have to use the enthusiasm of the WTO membership as a peace-building instrument.
0: Thank you for your insights, uh, Nidal. You are listening to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. We will be right back after a short break. Now over to you, Alice. As a member of the private sector working with startups, mostly micro, small, and medium-sized enterprises, MSMEs, how do you see their transformation in contributing to lasting peace, not only in KRI, but also in Iraq?
1: I think this is a great time to kind of bring up some examples of some of the amazing startups we've supported, of which there are too many to talk about in one podcast. But I think some of these examples really show how business really can contribute to trade for peace. So one example in the Kurdistan region is Lezu, which for anyone who lives in Iraq, they have heard of this startup. It's one of the largest startups in Iraq. It recently got one of the biggest investments of any startup in Iraq. And they're what you call a super app. So they do restaurant delivery, grocery delivery, food delivery. They were only based in the Kurdistan region and recently expanded to Baghdad. So. How does Lesuics contribute to trade for peace? They, over the past three years of operating, have employed well over 200, I think now it's closer to 500, young men as delivery people. These are you know, not highly skilled workers. Many of them have been displaced from their original home. But these people access jobs, and, and they're good jobs. They're jobs where you have work security, you have a decent wage. And so when you get a startup that can expand, you get this amazing influx of jobs at various skill levels and for various types of people. Another example is an amazing startup that recently went through one of our startup incubator programs named Mosul Solar. Mosul Solar, the the name kind of tells you what they do, but it's a startup based in Mosul which installs uh, solar systems, solar panels to houses as well as to business complexes and does kind of consulting and services and and repairs for these solar panels. And so as you all know, Mosul was greatly affected by the war against ISIS, is in many parts of the city, um, still destroyed or greatly damaged. And so Mosul Solar is bringing much needed electricity to residents of the city in a city where electricity does not always work. And then there are the types of businesses that are supporting the new generation in Iraq and providing them with the necessary skills to compete on an international level and to to succeed in their lives. So one example of this is IoT Kids, which is an amazing company based in Baghdad. They teach robotics and technology skills through online learning all across federal Iraq and soon to be expanded to the Kurdistan region and across the Middle East. And IoT Kids basically says, it doesn't matter whether you're born in the US, in the Silicon Valley or in Baghdad or, or Basra or anywhere, you should have access to incredible technology skills and you should be able to learn how to build robots you know, at a, at a young age. You know, we have art galleries and art classes that are launched by um, Syrian refugees. We have FAM Academy, which does marriage counseling and psychological support for newly married couples who are working through what it means to be married. I think when I look at the private sector and especially small and growing enterprises in Iraq, what I see are innovators filling very real needs that are often not able to be filled by the public sector, because there are so many public sector challenges in Iraq, there are so many challenges for the government to face. And so the private sector can really fill in these gaps to provide excellent support for for consumers and to really modernize and disrupt the economy in Iraq in a way that really strengthens the private sector. So the WTO and WTO accessions, I think, Really addresses the regulatory environment in Iraq in a top down way, right? It's about systems change. It's about how do we make the whole business ecosystem better for, for everyone in Iraq? And that is extremely important. Um, the whole process of WTO accession is extremely important. And I think from the 51 Lab side, I'm kind of at the opposite end from Nidal. Because we work at the very ground level with innovators who are creating bottom up solutions, basically saying, you know, while we wait for these system level solutions to come, how do we really change what's happening in Iraq now in order to better serve the community here?
0: Thank you, Alice. And yes, indeed, uh, system solutions do take time, but it is good that we have a government official with us today. And so I would like to turn it over to you, Anidal. Could you uh, highlight some of the programs the Ministry of Trade is working on to tackle some of the challenges faced by the private sector in Iraq?
2: As uh, Alice said, there is a lot of challenges that face the, the Iraq private sector in Iraq, and there will be um, a slow solution for the improvement of the Private sector participation in, uh, and to take uh, the real role in, in in the dynamics of the of the country. I want to highlight some of the important challenges that are faced by the private sector. Because first of all, the security situation and being in post-conflict and Iraq was a conflicted area for about forty years. The security situation, the shortages of the skillful employment in the in the private sector and institutions, the shortages of financial aids that can promote the work or promote the activities of the private sectors uh, and institutions. The bureaucracy here, the most important thing from my opinion and from my experience in my career is the lack of sound visions for policies and strategies that support private sector and regulate this um, vital sector. The other important thing, which is very negative in Iraq is that is the free process of importing because now Iraq is considered a net importer country and that of course affected negatively on the on the role of the private sector on the activities of the private sector. Beside the other important thing is the lack of adequate infrastructure because we, if you have an institutional um, uh, bad or a lack of adequate uh, an institutional capacity to absorb the activity of the private sector, this will negatively uh, impact the private sector role in Iraq this solution for Iraq in order for the government to adopt uh, and to make the private sector take its uh, leading role and partnering the government and the public uh, sector is by maintaining diversification because we want to apply and we hope to apply free market mechanisms the free market mechanism and that the partnership of the Iraqi private sector with the public sector is one of the vital issues and one of the vital mechanism that uh, the free market adopt. It's particularly important for us and for my country that trade policy take into account the need for appropriate balance between national policy priorities and international disciplines and commitments the success of any trade policy reform would call for a transparent participation of public and private sector and institutions experiences in other regions of the world demonstrated that such A contribution had a major positive impact on economical and political uh, reforms. The governments and the private sector institutions should work hand in hand in the implementation of economic and trade policy reforms and diversification. As you know that the structure of the Iraqi economy is characterized by the dominance of the public uh, sector. The organization of the private sector and the necessary wide participation of the private sector on a continued basis with the activities of the public sectors to allow them to have full access to all facilities and benefits and also creating public uh, private uh, partnership uh, strategies that is one of the solutions in order to facilitate the private sector participation in implementing the the institutional projects. For example, the most important thing now arise is the how the government can support and can subsidize the SMES because it's very vital nowadays. And we have uh, witnessed that uh, many of the international organizations have supported this vital sector in order to arise because we have human resources and because we have smart people in order to uh, make all the necessary image to support micro, small and medium-sized enterprises. The government, of course, should provide individualized business development services to SMES to boost their access to different markets and attract new private sector investment opportunities. And should support businesses in Iraq with access to capital investment and business development services to improve level competitiveness and grow their revenues and create jobs because it's positively affected and elevated the high the high percentage of the, the disemployment It is very important because to attract the uh, employment and to, to attract the human resources.
0: Are you aware of any specific program uh, at the Ministry of Trade that is working with the MSMEs currently?
2: Currently, from WTO perspective, we have uh, identified uh, and we have developed uh, a project uh, with the ITC, International Trade Center, to promote the agri-food sector. I discussed with the ITC expert for about one year and a half uh, how to uh, conduct the economic, the necessary economic reforms? They compromises their work with the SAVI project that is was funded by the EU, and uh, we have uh, discussed deeply on this issue. Uh, on, uh, how to gather all the stakeholders that is interested in promoting the agri-food? Because we have we have uh, some vital products that needs to develop in this area. For example, we have excessive a uh, production in poultry, in tomatoes, in date palms. We want to push forward the private sector institutions to prepare their own priorities and to make their own attempts to how to get users from this project. Actually, we have coordinated with all the stakeholders and all the ministries, and we have uh, focused on the private sector institutions. We have invited some uh, of uh, the vital private sector institutions to get benefited from this uh, project because there is a good finance for this and to will be implementing on the actual base and we are coordinating with the with the ITC on implementing this and we have made our own plans with the ministry of planning and the ministry of uh, agriculture beside the ministry of trade in order to go on with the agri-food sector. Of course in collaboration with the plans for developing the SMES uh, uh, project in Iraq, and they are the ITC experts are, are wandering from north to south in order to make uh, the necessary uh, and the practical steps toward implementing the successful uh, project, inshallah.
0: Thank you, Nidal. Alice, as we've just heard uh, from Nidal, the Iraqi government is currently working to promote and boost the competitiveness of the agro-food sector. Do you work with any agri-food startups at Five One Labs?
1: Yeah, we've worked with one startup that specifically it creates kind of an AI-based technology that goes into greenhouses to make sure that farmers know that the humidity levels and the temperature and everything is right for the fruits and vegetables. And that has been kind of implemented in greenhouses across the Kurdistan region. We also work with an amazing startup in Baghdad called Nahla. They work with people who have dates in Baghdad, like everybody has date palm trees. And so it's a subscription service where you can sign up and Nahla will take care of your trees for you, get the dates for you, and give you the majority and then take a percentage. And so it's a subscription service where they also are, are selling dates as well. I, I mean there are some really amazing things happening in agriculture across Iraq and there's there's a need for more innovation, like Nidal said. So it's a it's a really interesting space right now.
0: Thank you, Alice, and uh, over to you, Nidal. I want us to turn back to the WTO accession process. As you know. It's quite an extensive political and technical process. It's a process of basically a national commitment to domestic reforms, and the government has to commit to domestic reforms. It takes a lot of coordination among uh, ministries and agencies. It takes a lot of government resources to move the process forward. Now, Iraq started its journey on the accession process some time ago. What do you see as the next steps in the accession process for Iraq?
2: It's a long way. Uh, as you know, that Iraq has taken the, the initiative to post its economy and transform from a centralized uh, economy to a free market-oriented uh, economy. Iraq suffered a long time and in the past from isolation from the, the, the world. So in 2030, Iraq decided to embark on the journey of the WTO accession and applied in uh, 2004. At the same year, uh, it gained um, the observer status in the, in the WTO. And then afterwards, the Ministry of Trade established the national committee that will uh, responsible, with uh, compromises represented from different ministries and from high-level representative from different institution and stakeholders in Iraq, and even with the partnership of the private sector institution, to uh, fulfill all the obligations, fulfill all the requirements, and complete the technical files that's required for the accession. Actually, in 2007 and 2008, there were to official meetings with the working party in uh, in Geneva. I think acceding to the WTO poses for Iraq, poses both challenges and opportunities. I think it is a process of balancing between rights and obligations. It's not only a process of achieving technical files, how to negotiate to access to their foreign markets. It is um, a matter how to compete. It's a matter how to prepare a competitive, uh, infrastructure, how to develop your infrastructure and your institution in order to, to make a competitive product and to uh, supply uh, competitive uh, services. I think the importance of the creation of the role-based multilateral trading system to enhance the integration. The multilateral trading system is one of the solutions for Iraq, who had paid a high price uh, because of the wars. The accession to the WTO creates the suitable environment for uh, uh, us. We have. To use the enthusiasm for of the WTO membership as a peace building instrument. Now we are working with all the ministries and with all the agencies in order to make all the necessary economic reform side completing the technical files. Okay. We are working on diversification uh, issues, we are working on regulate our legislation uh, legislative action plan, we are working with the other ministries in order to regulate their websites, to translate their websites, to translate, to issue the relative laws and legislation that affect the goods and services. Uh, We are working with the, for example, with the Supreme Council office in order to create an English database or an English uh, legal platform. We are working with all the related ministries in order to regulate first, to make all the economic reforms necessary for the, the accession, because there is no fulfillment for any accession files without conducting the legislative and uh, economic reforms that go side by side with this uh, wonderful process. We are working uh, together in order to fulfill the, all this obligation uh, it, it will take time because There is so much affairs to do. There is so much uh, complicated issues uh, to to fulfill. Uh, My job now is concentrated to regulate our legislation because it is the launch that you are uh, going to fulfill all the other issues. Once you have regulated all the infrastructure framework and legislative framework, you can go with implementing all the necessary. Uh, reforms and to to implement all the technical files that's required for the accessions. Of course, the expected outcomes are geared to improve the trade policy and reforms conducive to meaningful and inclusive economic transition and facilitate the positive regional and global
0: integration. Will you be having a working party this year?
2: Uh, uh, (laughs) It depends. (laughs) It
0: depends. (laughs) Thank you, Nidal. So we're at the end of this episode and i would like to start with you alice in one word what does trade for peace mean to you opportunity and to you nidal
1: prosperity
0: thank you both for your work as champions of trade for peace you have been listening to trade for peace brought to you by the wto's trade for peace program subscribe and leave a review on apple Podcasts or google Podcasts for more episodes visit us at www.tradeforpeace.podbean.com. Be sure to tune in every other week for new episodes. Thanks for listening to Trade for Peace.